Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Same old, same old. Day before 4th of July, i.e. the 3rd of July. Interest rates go down, stock prices go up. Record highs yet again. 10-year Treasury sits at 1.96%. That's the lowest since 2016. Basically, it's a move lower because world economies are not hitting on all cylinders. So bad news is good news. Strange but true. 10-year securities in Germany, Japan, France, they all trade at negative numbers. So you actually lose money by being conservative which is pretty darn interesting. There's no yield to be found. The only yield in the world, it feels like, is in the United States 10-year Treasury. And it comparative, comparatively excuse me, looks strong compared to other world 10-year securities. But yet, 1.96% is pretty low. Now, you've got money. What are you going to do with it? You can put it in a 10-year treasury at 1.96%, but that's going to keep up with inflation. Maybe not. When you hear home prices go up 4 or 5%, your money's not competing. When you hear stocks are up 17% in the first half of the year, that 1.96%'s not competing. It's not competitive. It's no bueno. So we pour more money into stocks. We give them bigger multiple expansions. Um, ideally, the S&P 500, I'd like to buy it at like 12 times, and I've bought it at 12 times earnings before. At 17 or 18 times earnings, it feels a little bit fat. The ADP employment change report for June showed a weaker-than-expected 102,000 positions added to the private payroll sector. Expectations for about 145,000, we got 102. The U.S. trade deficit widened by to $55.5 billion. Um, from our downwardly revised $51.2 billion in April. This is not good if you are Donald Trump. He doesn't want that, that trade deficit of how much we pull in from other countries versus how much we send out. When we send out goods, we have jobs here that are making things. When we pull them in, there's jobs in foreign countries that are making things. Every American wants a job, right? That's the idea. The average real trade deficit in the second quarter is 2.3% greater than in the first quarter. And that's not going to make Donald Trump very happy. Elsewhere, Tesla, delivery numbers were very good, 95,200. It's a record for the company. Mass producing anything becomes a problem. The United States became very good at it during war times. And we've kind of maintained that until the point of the... 1990s, 1980s, when we started sending manufacturing jobs overseas or to robots. So Tesla is up on the news. Problem for Tesla is there's two things that kind of move the stock. Number of deliveries and earnings. So they got the move on the number of deliveries. Their earnings aren't going to be good. 
President Trump has nominated Christopher Waller. Kind of wish it was Christopher Walken. But Christopher Waller and Judy Shelton, the Fed Board of Governors. A lot of what a president does is appoint judges and, in this case, bankers and economists. And uh, Judy Shelton, very little that I know about her is that she does not believe that the Federal Reserve is, uh, how shall we say, doing the best work at this point in time. I would almost say that she wants to abolish the Federal Reserve, but that's not quite right. Gold's a little bit higher. Um, the president's nominees are expected to carry a dovish-minded perspective on policy rates. So if it was Christopher Walken, it'd be fantastic, by the way. I gotta have lower interest rates. Gotta have more cowbell, right? That's the guy. So that's the big head story, uh, big top stories of the day. Job creation has another rough month. Um, Tesla, good on deliveries. Walmart's e-commerce business is pulling in about a billion dollars losses. So competing with Amazon is very, very difficult. Walmart may sell women's apparel retailer mod cloth this year for less than its purchase price. Frustration is growing with the company as losses mount. Walmart has been making investments like buying Jet.com for $3.3 billion, trying to compete with Mr. Bezos, his behemoth, his uberly big company, Amazon. So news out of Walmart, they're going to have um, probably about $22 billion of e-commerce sales this year, but a billion dollars in losses. At what price? At what price? Um, Modcloth, Bonobos, and Eloquai, which is a fashion brand for Walmart. They acquired all three brands last year, um, having trouble getting them into profitability. Bruce Linton, co-CEO of Canadian pot company Canopy Growth. Uh, super powerful, up-moving kind of stock when the headlines are good. What headlines make marijuana good? When states legalize it. Um, now, the problem for marijuana is it's not really a tested business at this point in time. So when you see the stocks move up, you have to say, okay, well, let's see how they do in earnings as well. It, it can't just be that concept of, uh, good news is always good news. At some point in time, you got to pay the piper. And now you're saying, pay the piper? Who's the piper? Um, it's fair. <laughs> you're allowed to say that. So canopy growth is getting hit today on news that the co-CEO has said that he's been fired. So uh, Bruce Linton, uh, you've probably seen him on CNBC talking about the company. Canopy growth is the world's largest publicly traded cannabis company. So, um, success or failure starts at top, and there must be something tough going on. Canopy Growth has become a cannabis powerhouse, signing celebrities like Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart while pursuing deals, including an investment from spirits giant constellation brands. Uh, they've also done a little bit of acquisitions in the United States, picking up acreage holdings. So, the company is the biggest, baddest company there is at this point in time in marijuana. And probably the most, I'm not going to say stable, because that's not quite the way I want to say it, but maybe the most um, adult business model. And uh, take a look at the stock today. When you lose one of your top dogs, stock gets hit. It's still be down about 2% at this point in time. And when you take a look at a bigger you know, picture of the company, it's done quite well. Um, it did nothing for years, and then it goes from $0.47 cents to $47 in the last calendar, uh, in the last two years. So it's now at $39, so it's off its high of 47 now it's at 39 Maybe that's your buying opportunity. 
I don't own any marijuana stocks. Not my thing at this point in time. Um, I'd rather be in the total stock market, if you know what I'm saying, because total stock market, S&P 500 and other indices are doing quite well. Big seminar coming up July 11th in Palo Alto, Retirement Income and Tax Planning Seminar. You can sign up today for a couple Thursdays from now, 630 to 830 Palo Alto, Elks Lodge. Use the code RADIO25. Go to robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Sign up and uh, get it done. Talk to you soon. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Early July, we've got a great stock market with low interest rates. Low interest rates kind of is a bit of a problem because it's kind of saying there's problems in the world. A lot of money, people flock and hide their money in low-cost or low-yielding securities, and it's just telling you they're afraid of other things. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. We're going to be hanging out with CFP Chad Burton July 11th in Palo Alto. Good chance to meet a certified financial planner. You can sign up for the event at the Elks Lodge by going to newfocusfinancial.com, newfocusfinancial.com, hit the event page, and um, use code RADIO25 to get in for free. Mr. Burton, um, you are a certified financial planner. There was a headline out there today uh, about a firm named Fieldstone Financial Management charged in $1.3 million by the SEC for defrauding retail investment advisory clients, failing to disclose conflicts of interest related to their recommendation to invest in securities issued by affiliates of another company. How can people make sure that they're working with someone who's legit? Uh, too legit, too legit. How can how can we know that we're not working with someone who's, you know, a flunky and he's selling the product? How do we know that you know Bernie Madoff scares a lot of people, kind of thing? Yeah, and the, so here's the the key, um, especially for something like Bernie Madoff or what happened in this situation, is you have to have a custodian that is actually holding your money. Okay. So, in a situation where the investment advisor is is your true fiduciary, meaning they they act in your best interest, you're not going to write the check for your investment out to them. You might write a fee, a check for a fee to them, but and that should be your really small. Well, I mean, it depends on the situation and how complicated it is your financial plan. Is okay. you need a but it should be small compared to your, need... It should be small compared to your assets. Is what I'm going for. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, okay. much much smaller, yeah. So if if you're going to invest, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, you're not making the check out to the investment advisor. You're making it out to TD Ameritrade or Fidelity or Schwab okay. or Pershing or one of these large custodians so that you get the statements directly from the custodian, right? The investment advisor is just authorized to trade the account based on the investment model that you agree to and bill the account for the fee schedule that you agreed to. And if you're in that situation, you're, you're much safer. What happened with, like, for example, on Bernie Madoff, not only was the investment advisor, but they also acted as their own custodian, so they printed their own statements and put whatever they wanted on the statements. And in a case like this, I mean, they're, they're, this guy's saying uh, what happened in that case. He was having investors invest in a company that was actually giving him loans for other things on the back end. Okay. So they were writing the check directly to the investment company. So that's where people go wrong is there's no third party. There's no, there's no custodian involved 
to make sure that there's checks and balances, that every transaction is watched, and that you get a copy of every transaction. So that's, that's one step. The second step is making sure you're working with a certified financial planner because, Rob, you could have somebody sit there for three or four days with a book and study for what's called a Series 65 test. Yep. That allows you to be called an investment advisor, and it's a the test is a joke. It, it's it's a total it's it's ridiculous. A lot of it is securities laws that, that make really no sense. It doesn't help people make good decisions about money. It's just have you read the laws essentially, and then all of a sudden I can call myself an investment advisor. Anybody right. said within weeks, and there's no there's no you know schooling or anything like that that's required it, to be a certified financial planner though. You have to be tested in taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, investing. You have to pass a test in each of those courses. You have to submit a, a, a financial plan. You have to take a final exam that's 10 hours long, given over two days. It's a 55% pass rate. But then there's one more step. There's okay. the, are you a fiduciary and do you have any conflicts of interest? And you can ask that and have people put it in writing whether they do or not. And so if you kind of take those steps, the custodian, certified financial planner, fiduciary, um, fee only, no conflicts of interest, then you know you're going to get very pure advice. Because when it comes to money advice, a lot of times there's not one right answer. It's an, it might be two or three options that work really well for the family, and then you've got to kind of work through the process of choosing the best option that meets everybody's needs for, you know, whether it's one person has low risk tolerance, one person has high the concerns of taxes, whatever it may be. And so it's it's kind of a counseling session after that. It's interesting that you talk about designation. I got two quick stories for you. Um, back when I was just getting out of college, a friend of mine went to work for Smith Barney and he had business cards and he was like saying, hey, you should sign up for a mutual fund. His business card said he was a vice president at Smith Barney. It sounds impressive. It's not. Everyone's a vice president at Smith Barney. So the title CFP is a good one for a working relationship. My second one is a guy, a friend of mine, uh, he would go to Vegas and his play with women, like to get them to like him because he didn't really have much going on. He would have a fake business card that would like read directory at Google. And it's kind of funny, but it shows you people kind of manipulate titles. So it's really important to focus on the CFP one. Do people need a CFP more during wealth building or more in retirement? Is there a right answer? Do you have to choose a side like the Civil War? Uh, no. Well, it, it really depends. During the wealth building phase, it depends on how complicated your situation is. So, uh, you know, for the first 250, maybe even 500,000, I think a lot of people could run off the, you know, 15 things you can do before you need to hire a financial advisor that's downloadable at the website, and it talks about how you deal with debt and getting the employer match, when do you fund a Roth IRA, protecting your biggest asset, which is your ability to earn money, and all those things that you can do. But you will get to a certain point where you have to start making decisions. And sometimes that point is a portfolio value. Usually it's around a half a million where people start acting more emotionally on their investing, and they need to start turning it over so that they can take the emotion out of it. Um, or they just don't have the time to do it, or they're dealing with, I've got kids going to college, I've got RSUs that are vesting, what do I do with that money? Am I overweight in my employer's stock? I've got estate planning needs. I'm, I'm dealing with my employee benefits, and things just get so complicated. It's You know that you need to go delegate it to somebody that you trust so that you can focus on what you do well. You know, Kind of that millionaire next door mindset where you know, if you have the ability to go earn money at a high level, why are you sitting there trying to do your own plumbing for eight hours on a weekend when you could go focus on your business? 
you, you delegate the plumbing out. It's, a, it's the same kind of a situation. You, you focus on what you're good at. Um, when it comes to retirement, you definitely need one, though, because there's, there's constant monitoring of your expenses and your portfolio returns, rebalancing. Like right now, if somebody's really low on cash in retirement, what a perfect time to peel some of the gains off the market. The market's up 18% for the year. Revenues are going to be up across the board on the S&P 500, an average of 4 or 5%. Interest rates are extremely low because you know, the Fed doesn't want recession as a result of the trade war. So you see there's a disconnect there. Maybe it's time to peel off some gains and set yourself up so that if you do have a market correction or recession, you're going to be okay. And then every year before the end of the year, you need to meet with your advisor to talk about your tax issues. Where are you? Are you uh, are your tax withholding, your quarterly payments on track? Is there any Roth conversion strategies? Is there any gifting strategies that you can do? And then you're dealing with issues in retirement like long-term care. How do you pay for that? and just overall estate planning, where you might have an estate planning document, but what do your assets look like? Who's getting what? What, is that gonna actually, what are they actually getting when you're 95 years old and you pass away? Um, so definitely constantly in retirement, several times a year, but the wealth building phase depends on how complicated it is and how much you need to, de- to delegate. Sounds good. Um, I consider myself more of a wealth builder. I am not a CFP. I consider you more of a wealth manager. You are a CFP. We're running a little low on time. I uh, got an email from the Shaw. Uh, I would like to do a living trust. What is the cost and how long does it take? Uh, so the cost of a living trust in California is typically you know, 35 to 4500 bucks. Um, out of that, you're going to get a trust, a will, power of attorney, health care directive, and you know several sessions that deal with who gets what and how do you want to control it after you die. Do you need to haunt people after you die to make sure they don't mess up their lives with inheriting money? And you know the process typically takes um, you know two to three weeks. And part of that process is making sure that once you have the living trust document, which helps you avoid probate when you die, the massive cost of probate in California. Um, that the assets are titled property, like your home, your, your taxable accounts, and things like that, making sure that they're actually titled properly so they flow through your trust properly. You can go to a seminar and get a trust maybe cheaper, but then you won't get the titling and all of the counseling that's involved, and it's not worth the money. I hear you. And that's kind of like a trust farm when you do those uh, big group events. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily the best way to go. Um, what goes in a trust and what doesn't? Because that's kind of complicated in my mind. Yeah, so what goes in a trust is your home, any real estate, um, any, if you own a business or real estate through an LLC, the shares of the LLC get re-registered to the living trust. Um, so any taxable non-retirement accounts go into the trust. Retirement accounts, you still have to name the beneficiaries properly, and in most cases, you don't want to name the living trust. You want to name different trusts that might be created that specifically hold retirement accounts. So if somebody has a really large retirement account that they need to protect for their kids, they might do a certain type of a trust. There's kind of a law in Congress, though, right now messing with that idea. So it's, it gets a little complicated when you have large type retirement accounts, Rob. We've got less than a minute. Financial plan's done. The estate plan's done. You've got perfect income in retirement. Any other things to think about? Oh, man. Miss, miss tax opportunities. I see people kind of in that situation. They're, they're really enjoying life, but they, they have giving opportunities, like being able to give their required minimum distributions to their favorite church or charity, and then couple that with Roth conversions. Just great estate planning and tax planning strategies that you can still do. 
You're a great sport. Thanks for playing along. Come meet CFP Chad Burton at the Income and Tax Planning Seminar that we're doing in Palo Alto at the Elks Lodge. Great parking, great, easy to get to. Thursday, July 11th, 6.30 to 8.30. Lots of info at newfocusfinancial.com. Use the code RADIO25 when you sign up under the event page. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. That's the number one mistake you can make when it comes to dealing with, I guess I want to say, your money. It sounds odd to say out of like that, but it is. So 39% of Americans, four out of 10 Americans say the economy is in bad shape. A lot of people really feel that there's some stress out there. And yet the stock market's hitting an all-time high. What do you do when you feel that... Um, things aren't going well. You, you tend to turtle up a little bit. You tend to protect yourself and hide a little bit, right? Or am I just crazy? Uh, don't let the emotional get in the way of the practical. You got to save money for retirement. It is crucial. One of the interesting statistics that I saw out there, and I think this is a good money lesson, is that 50% of college students, undergraduates in particular, say they could have borrowed less money than they did. It found the average college graduate borrowed $12,000 more than necessary. The average represents an extra $119 per month over a 10-year loan repayment period. Um, when you get scholarship money and grant money, save it. Don't blow it on pizzas. Don't blow it on clothing. Don't blow it on dining out because you could probably get through college in your skinny days. I know that in college, I didn't need to spend money to find love. There was plenty of it out there. I know that I probably could have got by with a ramen noodle package at five for a dollar versus, you know, a $14 pizza. Same amount of garbage food going in your belly, in my opinion. And how many times did I order pizza and like, you know, roommates and uh, sweet mates would come grab it, right? I wasn't rich, but I was living like I was rich. About 20% of American students who graduated in 2016 who carry debt said they used loan money to pay for vacations, for dining out, and for other entertainment. I bet it was higher than that. That's terrible. Some of them probably used it for things like rent. Um, if I can go back to my college days, the amount of money that I put into play would be far less. I would be a much skinnier spender, so to speak. So that's out there. I think that's good advice, too. And that goes with your car. That goes with your house. Um, if you buy a vacation house, do you really need a 3,000-square-foot place that could fit two families? Or do you want to just take care of your family and meet the other families out somewhere? Or get a couple bunk beds and you know a couple mattresses that you store in a closet? You can get by. It could be comfortable. It could be tight but comfortable, right? Uh, one of the questions that I get often is, I want to buy stocks, I just don't want to like do the research. So a lot of people do shortcuts, and they want someone else to do the research for them. You know, um, They want to buy the next IPO because they've seen IPOs doing well. They want to buy the next food alternative company that's not using animals because they've seen one do well. The problem is when you get into buying stocks, you get into valuation discrepancies, and comparables. And that's why I want people to be a passive investor in index funds or ETFs until they get $100,000. Once you get $100,000, you can put the next $10,000 into Apple or Nike or uh, Disney, whatever you want to. 
But the first 100000 should be in an S&P 500 fund or a Wilshire 5000 or a Russell 3000 fund. It could be in a large cap value. You know, Fidelity might have something that tickles you. Fidelity, Vanguard, TD Ameritrade all have very low-cost mutual funds, all that you could do passive investing with. And a lot of times, you don't even have to pay a dollar to buy into them. And then the ongoing management fees that are in it, basically recording transactions and such like that, which is a legality issue, are going to be $0.20 cents to $0.30 cents on every $100. That's a way better way to go than the way I see most people go. So there's some things that are out there. I like passive investing. I have a friend who's a police officer, and he likes buying individual stocks. I'm like, dude, you're doing it all wrong. Be a good cop, because that's what you do. Does cop mean citizen on patrol, or does it not? I've always wanted to figure that one out, and I just can't be – I just can't do it. So some other top stories out there today. Um Barclays is saying a rally sending the stock market 10% higher has a 65% chance. Now, again, do you know Barclays? I don't know Barclays. I've heard of Barclays. I've been in a Barclays building. But they're basically saying a a truce between the U.S. and China will create a mini bubble, a melt up, if you will. So we're already up 17% this year, 19% a couple days into July. Not bad. Now, the Federal Reserve can kind of buy us a little bit of insurance on that 10% rally by saying we're going to cut interest rates and then cutting interest rates. I don't know. Are you with me or are you against me? Because you do have to choose a side. This is a civil war. Do you see a melt up or do you think that's just crazy talk? Job creation had a rough month. Jobs are the blood of the economy. We can't survive without them. Private payrolls rose 102% in June. Missing expectations of 135,000. The number sets the stage for another possible disappointment on Friday's non-farm payroll report. Oh, first Friday of every month kills me. Because that's the data that kind of gives me, I'm not going to say a 30-day pass, but maybe a 30-day pass. Something like that. Um, small business has lost 23,000 jobs for the month as construction mining suffered drops. So I don't feel that bad that it's construction and mining. Construction, I don't like seeing jobs lost there. Mining, I don't know if that's going to hurt the economy, uh, if the coal miners aren't working. But is that a small business? And again, oh, there's some small businesses that are pulling some minerals, you know, go into formation of construction. So it's telling you that this is a bad number. It's, it's not horrible, but it's not good. It's on the side of negative in neutral versus positive. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Come meet me, Retirement Income and Tax Planning Seminar, Thursday, July 11th, 6.30, 8.30, Palo Alto, Elks Lodge. Sign up at Rob Black Show. Use the code RADIO25 to get in for free.